Welcome to Artbox DNV. I'm your host, Jason. In this episode, I talk to Tombo77. Tombo77's work feels like a woodblock cut with high visual contrast and symbolism. The cross pollination of today's symbols and symbols of the Middle Ages and alchemy make for a story of our times. We talk about the subjects he explores and how color plays a role in his work. So, with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview. So thank you again, sir, for doing this. I appreciate it. I'd like the people to get to know you. So for those who don't know you, who are you and how did you get your start in art? My name is uh, Tomo77, or I go by Tomo77. It's like my moniker. I am a Costa Rican artist based in Portland, Oregon. Uh, so I have an accent. <laughs> I give you that in, in advance. I started in arts. I am not an, an artist. I didn't study art, but I've been doing, I guess, art all my life. I'm a graphic designer. I'm a design director at an advertising agency. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I design and, and illustrate and, you know, been doing this for over 30 years. So you've been doing it for just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. I'm a pre-internet era designer. Yeah. I come from the exacto and letra set and, you know, drawing your letters by hand and stuff oh, back in the day. That is back in the day. So so basically your art must have been kind of like a, a, something that was an, an output, like a little something that you just to do on the side from what your, your real job was. Is that kind of how it became? Just Yeah, I started making like graphics here and there, you know, like I started working, trying to make some T-shirts some small prints stuff here and there but I wasn't really I, I would say that I didn't find my voice until like years later hmm. and the, the pandemic really helped me through that you know it's interesting to use the term voice because not many people really think of it as that you know I I approach it more of my storytelling ability you know you through art and through symbols and that's going to be a setup for the next question for you is what types of subjects and mediums do you like to explore in your work and why? Well, I guess there's like a, I see it like in a, it's a process of two eras or it's divided in two. There's the previous, my pre-pandemic stuff was all over the place. I would say that a couple of years ago, my first show, I had a show here in, in Portland in a gallery and I started working in, in the the theme of fears I started to see like things just building up and building up in every front, like politically and socially, you know, and to this moment that the pandemic came in and then my art kind of like took one direction and, and I found my voice and I was so stressed like everyone else of, you know, this thing that you could die and yeah. and you don't know if you're going to have a job and you don't know how life was going to be you know in the next in the following months or whatever for, for whenever so, yeah yeah it's uncertainty so i would say that my art totally went to a transformation or my ideas or my voice as i call it went to a transformation and that was like 
coming out of the pandemic, I, I would say that was the, the it was a major, major influence in what I'm doing right now. Well, and I can't help but notice that, you know, your work does feel like it's woodblock, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a yeah. soft spot for yeah. it. Yeah, sorry, you mentioned the media. The, okay, so the story is I started working <laughs> on this technique for, I've been crazy about those kind of lines, the, the line from woodcut and, and those kind of like hard, hard lines. vintage, yeah. yeah, hard lines. I also have a soft spot for medieval manuscripts. Yeah, yeah, don't blame and you. Symbolisms, and I've been fascinated by these these kind these people that were the illuminators making manuscripts back in the medieval age, mm -hmm. and sitting in their escritoriums and doing these things by hand, and you know, it's just crazy, you know, like no computers, no internet, nothing, and they have no. these ideas and these graphics of these creatures and these things that they saw in the sky and you know it has been an influence for me and of course when i started to work that i kind of like didn't know exactly where it was going but i started just doing these lines when the pandemic started out of anxiety i just sat in, with my ipad and i started like drawing drawing lines 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 hmm. and then each time i was making a drawing i was trying to perfect the simulation of a woodcut yeah, I think you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I do it by hand. I mean, all, I I have works that are like, I don't do woodcut, but I've done linocut and I paint and I do watercolor and I've been experimenting with a lot of mediums to, to just, you know, get to this point. Yeah. The technology, of course, allowed me to make things faster. I was trying to create like a story every day as the pandemic was moving forward. So let me get this but, straight. So yeah. you were doing a piece just about every day to every other day? I was doing a piece, sometimes two pieces a day. Two a day. Wow. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that is, they're small, you know, they're, they're small. And, and of course, just, it was very easy because there were just themes everywhere, you know, uncertainty. Yeah, and it's true. And <laughs> the plague doctor was, it's something that I use a lot. I love the plague doctor. And, and it's interesting how these things circle back you know there's like the black plague and then yeah the spanish influenza and yeah. like these things circle back and there's like again we're in a pandemic yeah you know i don't want another one in my lifetime so just yeah. fyi well yeah i was gonna say because when i first saw your work i honestly thought it was like a lino cut or a wood cut mm -hmm. i just couldn't tell I, I have been unable to see it in person, and but I was fooled, you know, and then I started well, to realize. It, it, yeah, it takes a lot of time, Jason. took me a lot of time to finesse, and it's, it's taking me because I'm still always exploring. I'm, you never stop learning. You never stop. To get, yeah, you know, to get to this, like, oh, maybe my next drawing can be better, and my next drawing can be better. Can I fix this more? And right. every time you're doing something, you're experimenting with getting better at your technique, you know, so... Yeah, I, I always yeah. say that, um, and I've said this before, uh, the day you stop learning is the day you start dying. And um, it sounds a little morbid, I suppose, but that no, is... For an it, artist, it's true. For an artist, I think it's for an artist, it's anybody. true for, for anyone. And yeah. especially, you know, because I like you said, with this show, I always try to find ways to make it better. I tweak it here and there sometimes, you know, it's it's... Like if you listen to the first episode, I used to have a co-host with me. She's moved on. If you were to listen to the first episode to your episode, uh, you would see the vast difference that I've done over time because like I didn't want to stop learning. And, and and that's when you perfect 
perfect your craft. I think right. artists and people, when, when they're passionate about something, should be devoted to the craft and perfect it. Amen to that, sir. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> we live now in the in the times of where people want things like very fast. I know, impatience. And, and, and things, yeah. And so, you know, when you see something that takes time and, and patience, I would hope that people would react to that. So you got to a point where you were basically just having all these ideas in your head and you started producing at times two a day. That's pretty impressive to me. Like you said, you took a lot of time to practice and make it better. But some of the images that you use is like from alchemy and uh, from the Goodfellows and some of those symbols that I said, man, I just use like you do a lot of research on this stuff. That's what I always assume that you just you sit in front of all these books and just look at this stuff mm -hmm. and go, you know, maybe I should take this symbol and use it for here. I, I, and it can work for this. It can work for that. And I'm, I'm assuming you have done that. So, yes, yes. One of the, the first ideas that ignited uh, or the first books that ignited my project was a book called The, the Book of Miracles. It's a manuscript book from, um, it was made in Germany. And I don't think nobody knows who made it, but, you know, it has like these plates, giant plates of illustrations. Yeah. And there's like things that people saw in that, you know, medieval times, like, a giant comet in the sky or like a plague of something, you know, and these things don't really have like an explanation or, or you know, so I was trying, my, my goal is to try to make that, you know, like when people see my work 300 years from now, my hope is like, oh, you know, what the hell happened back then? You know, right. the same way we look at medieval stuff now, it's like, that's true. What the hell was that? Yeah. What was going on then? Yeah. But like you said, 300 years from now, would people still understand the, it looks like a nun hoarding, you know, toilet paper. Will they still get that same message? We don't know, but I do. And what was another one that I can think of is, uh, oh, uh, the shape of things to come. Another one was uh, Resurrection Day. <laughs> it was another one that really seemed to kind of pull a lot of that kind of old uh, iconography together and and but you you bring it up into today's terms which i think people should be able to follow if they can't follow it well i can't help them with that yes i think that my my idea is to make something that gives people something to think about you know i can explain the message to you and it, the message is there you know why do i put a sun or why things are under the sun or why hand reason with two fingers or there's like a in medieval times, for, for example, flames signified apocalypse. Every element has this, there's like a meaning behind it. And of course, like you said, there's a, a lot of research and a lot of um, intention. Every element has an intention of being there. That's why these things also take so long because, you know, it's, it's not that I can just grab anything and just put it in there, but there's like an intention behind it. Yeah, I can anyway see the intention. And that was why I think people need to go to uh, your website and uh, definitely go check out the work there. So I also wanted to ask now, and I said this to you earlier before we started the interview, um, you know, like I noticed that a lot of your work, not all, but a lot of your work is uh, high contrast with the black and white. And then you throw an element in there red. Now, for people who are colorblind, that would be gray. So in a sense, um, <laughs> Black and white TVs back in the day, they you would use red to help kind of give a solid gray. So that's why sometimes they'd use uh, red filters on films for black and whites and whatnot. 
So uh, I, I have a feeling that's not what's going on here. But I, mm -hmm. I wanted to know, uh, what is the role of color in your work, if any? I, I, yeah, I've I always been attracted to, to those colors. And to me, it's a propaganda. Hmm. My motivation is that most of the biggest propaganda aesthetics from the, you know, from... Well, from the back in the day, or gonna, yeah, yeah, from, from Cuba, eras. from uh, uh, yeah, who else? Uh, Russia. I mean, the list can go on. China, you China. Know, so yeah. it's it's like a very peculiar. I I don't know. It's it's you know. I think it just brings awareness. I think that we are in a time where you know, in the same way you look at a stop sign and it's red, there mm -hmm. is a purpose for that. Mm. And of course, people. It's funny. A lot of people say. I, I, you know what? I would love to buy your prints, but I'm not into red. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know All what? Right, I then. don't make pastel works, <laughs> you know, no. the, or the day that I make pastel, I'll, I'll let you know. But, you know, <laughs> I was going to say, it changes the meaning. Of, it yeah, will change yeah. the meaning of your work then. <laughs> oh. Exactly. So I guess it's just the colors match the imagery and it's, it's supposed to like shock you and bring something into your face that, you know, otherwise if it was like a subtle blue, you know, working in advertising, there's a color for everything, you know, for yeah. food, for uh, anything. But if you want, to me, the colors of the the end of the world are these ones. Or, or these colors, is red. These colors are the, the palette, black. Of, the, the palette of, the, of the end of the world. There is it's no like, monochromatic yeah. going on here. <laughs> I, you know, I, it could just be anything. But I, I guess black and white prevail as a tool of, I would say, like, impact you you see those colors and they're like whoa well white's not a color and black is a mix of all colors but well and, that's because i tell people that you know it's people don't call zero a number but it is so it's a color yeah yeah <laughs> but you know it's interesting i have no idea when i started doing the the drawings in the pandemic it's just the first thing that came into my mind hmm. just yeah it was just that like just clicked and you're like all right i like this i'm gonna go with it I, I, yeah yeah and and it's funny i you see i made a print some years ago like eight or ten years ago and it was black and white and red i always been attracted to this this color scheme yeah yeah so uh this is like i told you earlier this is more of a conjecture projection <laughs> uh how do you want people to respond to your work especially the work that you're doing right now I guess that I want people to just, you know, most of us as an immigrant person, most of the things that I see around me or the things that I see around me from people is, I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. The things, that, the things that I see or people, I hear people say is, oh, this is not my business or hmm. You know, I don't really care, you know, or, oh, I don't watch the news or, uh, you know, what that's, you know, it's not in my turf or right. my neighborhood doesn't matter. We, you know, I think one of the things that happened is that the pandemic has showed us that we're not like in our own island. You know, everything affects everything. That is true. And, you know, for people who want to keep their heads in the sand about you know, uh, well, it's not my issue, not my problem. I'm not an immigrant. It's like, well, at one point your family was. So this is a shared issue that we all need to tackle together. And like you said, it's like using your work to help explore those ideas, especially now, is very valid. It, it is very valid. 
in my yes, opinion. and 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 there's there's friends. I have friends that be tell me like, and it's interesting, especially the wives of my friends. They're like, oh, I love your art, but I wouldn't put it in my house because I don't want to come home and and stress about like something. And I'm like, okay. okay. So what you're basically telling me is that you are these kind of people that live in your own bubble. And I understand, you know, I don't, I don't, for example, I love Cleon Peterson. Cleon Peterson is an artist that he makes very intense imagery, you know, like, and I love his work. I'm super influenced by his work as well. And, you know, whenever people tell me something about my work, I was like, okay, look at Cleon's work or there's shocking stuff happening in the world every day. And we just choose not to look and choose not to take part on, on, on this, on being a part of the solution, yeah. you know? So that's, that's like the main thing from my work. It's not even about my name. It's not even about who I am. It's about looking at this and being like, holy crap, I didn't know, you know, that this thing was happening over here or, you know, that children were being thrown off a, of a border wall, you know, Yeah. or that there's riots and there's, if you look at the news, there's like riots and, in things happening everywhere. It's not, you know, yeah, Americans do tend to kind of live in a bubble sometimes. You know, they forget about there's other things going on in the world that does actually affect them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, a good example that affects Americans with their capitalism is uh, with this new ass canal getting blocked. <laughs> you know, remember that? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people then started perking up what's going on around the world. But once that was done, they went back to their own things. So, uh, but so by, I guess that's that's the pandemic. Uh, sorry, I interrupted. You. That's fine. That's the what you said is the base of the lesson that we have to learn to me is like, we want to get back to our lives. And what does that mean? What, what is does getting that? back to normal? Yeah. What does mean like being a, an a-hole and not just being, you know, not caring about others. There's people that make less money than you. And they're like right in the front of this pandemic. You know, yep. like we learn to value our frontline workers at supermarkets, nurses, you yeah. know, people that work in a public transportation, you know. Those people are out there. You're just sitting in your house working in your computer, but these people are just, you know. They're out there. They're risking it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like uh, I read something just the other day. They're saying that uh, cashiers are the highest and more likely to get COVID than most of the other people in other professions. And it's like, yeah, they're, that is by all definitions a frontline worker. And, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, not to get on my soapbox, uh, but it's like those people need to be paid respectfully more. <laughs> you know, they have to oh, yeah. deal with belligerent people. They have to deal with all sorts of crazy. And it's like, pay them, take care mm-hmm. of them. And mm-hmm. uh, it, when we come out of this this whole situation, and it makes it better for all of us. But, you know, that's like I said, that's me getting on my little, you know, political box there. So I better get off my box. <laughs> but... We all live in a box in, in a sort of way. In a way. In a way. Yeah. I try to get out of my box every once in a while, you know, as they say. Going back to the beginning of the series, uh, what started, what triggered uh, you to do the series, the, the Pandemico project? Because, by the way, it is still ongoing, right? It, it, it is still going. I mean, okay. the base, the foundation is the pandemic. Mm-hmm. The stress, the anxiety that everyone felt at the beginning, that's when it started. And I started seeing, like, literally the world fall apart around you. And I would say that I always been fascinated by human nature, Hmm. like the way people are selfish, the way people are hoarders, they're greedy, 
you know, and it's about materialist. And so I, I guess everything combined into this project. But at the same time, I try to keep it broad enough that it's not just based on the pandemic, but like I was saying, it's more about the human behavior. You know, now what? What's the after pandemic and and what what is happening now? Because the pandemic is not over. No, and it's going to be a while before it is. But to get some normalcy of life is coming back. And like you said, what's this now? It's the what's the next steps? How are people going to react now? Are people going to run up to you in the streets and say, have you been vaccinated? And you're like, oh, yeah. And they want proof. He's like, should I show them my card? It has my birth date on it. (laughs) Yes. And also, I think the the pandemic, I read this somewhere that it shredded the the clothing or the the cloth of the society in half, Hmm. dividing the the gap, the gap that was like the richer, more richer, the poor. Are, oh. you know the, the more vulnerable yeah. so that's also a result of the situation that is happening well i hope that gets fixed really because like you said i mean more we have this chasm of more rich and more poor you know it definitely puts a strain on everybody not just a few everybody exactly so uh a kind of a follow-up question about the the series so uh, i also noticed on your your website that you had book it would look like a good book that you've put together so far of, of this project uh is the series in the book uh, um is it available yes. here in the states so what happened with the book is a funny story when the pandemic started also a lot of people started reaching out to me with like hey i want to start like a project hey i want to do this i want to do that and i'm yeah. like you know this small bookmaker in italy approached me at the very beginning and the, you know the pandemic was like going and i was still making drawings and this book took a year to make he totally made it by hand oh they were yeah it's like a handmade book he printed wow. it by himself he lives like in this mountain in seripoli in italy or in, in I, he showed me a picture of his home he's like a he's like a really like a monk in this place making books by hand and bound bounding them by hand so Yes, there the book is there. Um, fortunately, no, there's it's not in the states, but I mean you can get a book from him if you go. Or the good news is I'm gonna give you a sneak peek is that I got book deal with La Luz de Jesus Gallery has an editorial side. Yes, awesome. So we are uh, releasing a book. No, nobody knows this. We're releasing a book by hopefully October. And it's the complete project, like 128 pages. That's so it can like, be 128 super plates. Nice score. Oh wow! It's 128. Oh, I have more than you know 128 <laughs> to show. But I mean, I, I can't keep up. Like I'm not a full time <laughs> artist, but I mean, if I had time, I would just make this, this thing all day because it's like nonstop. Well, I was <laughs> nonstop say. stories and things happening in the world all that... the time. You know. Yeah, because that book that he he handmade that that is awesome. It's a very beautiful, well packaged book. Because if you wanted to, you could take the print out and you can put it on your wall, or you can keep it in the book. It's very well done. That's... Yes, yes, he has. It, there were only three hundred made. So, uh, so let's move into your other project that you've done. I have noticed through your Instagram that you have done. Well, I, I've noticed in, in doing my research is that you've done a couple of albums. But most recently, you did one for for Noise, a band called Noise. And yes. um, so how did that album cover or that project uh, come about? This is like, I guess the highlight of the pandemic for me was meeting a guy at the moment. He's a friend. He's a super friend of mine now, partner. 
John Goff. John has been a friend of Shepherd Ferry for like 25 years. Yeah, I guess everybody knows who Shepard Ferry is. If yeah, not, if he, they don't, they don't know. Yeah, he made the Obama poster, and he's the owner, inventor of Obe, right. Obey. Yeah, Obey he's a big guy. Yeah. So he approached me, and he's like, "Oh, dude, I love your work, you know." And and he, we started talking about noise and Shepard, and I'm like, "This guy is probably this is like a scam, you right. know? Like yeah. this guys." I look at his Instagram; he has like zero followers. I'm like, "This is probably some guy sitting in a computer somewhere." Yeah. Uh, long story short, you know, he is Shepard and him have this band called Noise, you know, and some some other musicians. And the Noise uh, seven inch was in the process of being made. He's like, hey, I'm gonna talk to Shepard and see, you know, he loves your work, and you know, maybe you can just be on the on the back of the seven inch. And I was like, okay, okay. you know, yeah. And and it, long story short, you know, it's there. You know, we we connected. You know the the seven inches there. My friend John and I we created or came up with this platform called Serigraphic Systems, and that's like a channel where I put my prints out. I think that's also important because a lot of the times you know you make this bunch of work and 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 this insane you know uh, amount of pieces and then what. You yeah. know, so we figured out a way to just make, select some of the of the works, create this super cool, beautiful prints made here in Portland, and um, Seizure Palace, which is, I would say, it's one of the best screen painters in the world to me. Hmm. And you know, yeah, we have the platform running, and we have Shepard's work is there too. And, well, that's cool. And and uh, you know, you can find my work in there as well. Yeah. So I, I, this is the kind of wrapping up part of the interview. So um, how did you get your nickname, Tombo 77? Tombo 77, well, I studied Japanese. At some point in my life, I love Japanese, and I studied Japanese for two years. Hmm. Tomo is a, a small word from the word tomodachi, which means friend. Oh, okay. So, and I love the numerical alchemist symbolic side of myself. <laughs> I love the seven numbers, symmetry. To me, is a number of of God, and there's like a mathematical reason behind it, of you know, hmm. symmetry. I would say. Yeah. Hmm. I'll have to do some equation math then to figure out what the seventy, where you got the seventy-seven from. <laughs> a little mystery. Well, you know, uh, I yeah, like that. You know, you'll find a lot of stuff like you know, the world was created in seven days, and that's true. A lot of the of the rules of the universe and math and things are based on the number seven. Yeah, and and like the whole universe has kind of like a tone of B flat, so that's also another mm -hmm. thing of interest. I learned that from my okay. brother-in-law, so he because <laughs> he, he's a just, professional. I musician, just learned so. that from you, then. Oh, <laughs> you <didn't laughs> yeah. Know. I yeah, it's a, weird that I didn't realize that the universe would have B flat, but hey, that works. So, kind of wrap up here. Last question for you: What advice would you give your past self and to other artists? Well, I would just say. Two things. One is to be disciplined. And I guess that's one of the things that has got me here, being disciplined, especially in the pandemic. No, I mean, you don't want to do anything. You're just depressed and, and anxious. And, you know, I think it's everybody's yeah. feeling. So I would say I never had a problem with discipline, but I would say that I would tell my younger self to not to waste so much time <laughs> so I would much say I, I, I was like wasting a lot of time just 
not doing anything. You're sure you just weren't procrastinating. Yeah. <laughs> procrastinating a lot. Yes. Yes. And artists tend to just be like, you know, oh, let's drink, let's party, let's do this yeah. and that. And just, let's procrastinate. You know. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I admit I will from time to time procrastinate. I mean, uh, you know, uh, but sometimes you also kind of need to take a break and recharge. But I, you're right, because just stay disciplined, stay focused is always going to help you. Because like you said, I mean, you've, uh, you're in a whole new chapter now in your your own art, your own storytelling. You're, you know, so like you said, through all your hard work, this is where you're at. So, you know, yeah, no, I, I have an interesting uh, analogy. My friend, John, is he told me this and I thought it was very interesting. He's like, you know, when you're a musician, you play tunes, you're like, da, 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 you know, yeah. and then you find your tune. Then you find that that chord that sounds and resonates. He told me, like, I think that's what you found in this pandemic. You no. found your 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 tune, you found your voice. You know, I would agree with him. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's just because you're doing some some bang up work. I love it. I really do. Not to put thank pressure you, on you, you. <laughs> but it no, seems like... No, no, yeah. It, 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 you know, there's, there's pressure because people are like, like I said, I don't do it for, I don't live from art. And I feel bad for people that live and, and make a living from art sometimes if you're not famous because it, it's hard, you know, it's hard. It's to, very hard. To, the world, it's overflowed with art right now. But I feel that art that is meaningful and communicates something it's very few there's very there's very little it will punch people through. care about selling you know well, people right. care about selling their stuff and more about like you know what does it say about a specific thing or situation that is happening you know it's a social tool art yeah. it's always been and, and, and that's i'm not inventing the wheel here everybody <laughs> knows that art it's a tool for for expressing social injustice and expressing Communicating justice in, in in general, yeah. Communicating, yeah. it's a communication tool. Because, like, and and not to toot your horn here, but like with your work, it is kind of like um, you're having a conversation with a viewer in a way, and that is definitely a very powerful thing to to do, uh, especially with art. It'll punch through the noise if it if it, it is what it is. It will punch through the noise, and people will find it. But yeah, and, and I think that's what happened to me, you know, like, and, and that's my advice to people, to my younger, not to my younger self, but to, some advice to people now is like, try to find your voice, yeah. try to communicate something and mind your surroundings, you know? Mm, yeah. Well, I like your, your, your approach about finding your voice, because that's true, because um, sometimes it's hard to find that voice. Sometimes you don't realize that you need to find one, you know, so it, it is important to keep doing a lot of work and you'll, you'll find your voice. You'll find the outlet. You'll, you'll, it'll punch through. So that is mm -hmm. a beautiful mm -hmm. advice, sir. I appreciate it. So. <laughs> oh, I want to say a couple of things okay. too. I want to invite people to my show. If you're in the LA area in October. Yes. My art show, like the culmination of this project for me is going to happen in October in La Luz de Jesus in LA, October 2nd. 8 p.m. It's a, the show is called Pandemonium. <laughs> so this is where I'm showing like the entirety of the project. The entire collection? And, wow. Yeah, there's like, one of the walls has like a tile. There's like a tile wall with like 90 pieces. Like I, I, I printed like small tiles. Like, yeah. It's like a wall with like 100 pieces of, of, of yeah. That's going to be crazy. There's a lot of work in there. Yeah. So if you're around the area, I'm, 
Hop on by, to... check it out. Look at the wall of the pandemic. That, that's just one of the walls. There's like that's just four one, walls. True. They got four walls. Well, if you want to be technical, oh, they yeah. have six. <laughs> they, oh, yeah. Can, you can you use the no floor. You, you can use the ceiling. So much work. So much work, yes. If you're in New Orleans, there is a show happening right now called Once If Memory Serves Me. It's a mortal machine, 929 Royal Street. Some of the pieces, uh, there's like six pieces of mine in there. And uh, yeah, you know, just go to the site if you want to get a print. So graphicsystems.com. Graphicsystems.com. Got it. So, yes, sorry, graphicsystems.com. Uh, one thing I didn't say, originals, like by hand, I made this giant illustration, dude. I have no idea. It took me like a month. And I ended up with some tendonitis. And oh. <laughs> yeah, it's for my show, but you know, I, I have six small illustrations in this exhibition. Yeah. So you can see like some, and there's some actual line of cut stuff that I did and it just pasted mm -hmm. it into the illustration. So yeah, you can see some originals. People wow. are like, where are, I want to see originals. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, here we go. To find original, you know what I mean? Because if, if, even if you make it through digital means, it's just as original as if you use the, a knife and a piece of wood. So that is another conversation. That's like a, to make a show, another show. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, wood versus computer. Totally yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this again. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jason. I want to say thank you to Tomo77 for taking the time to do the interview. If you want to see more of his work, head on over to Instagram at Tomo7701. If you'd like to get one of his prints, go to sierragraphicsystems.com. To hear past episodes of Artbox DMV, head on over to the website at artboxdnv.com. And don't forget, Artbox is on Instagram at artboxdnv. Until next time, thank you for listening.